Hey y'all, my name is Nicole Rowan and this is my podcast, a space to encourage you, share biblical truths, get all of these thoughts in my head out and introduce you to some amazing people along the way. For more info, you can go to NicoleRowan.com. Today, I want to talk about covenant. A lot of times I feel like we use this word covenant when really we are contractional type people or vice versa. And I want to read just Ruth 1 really quick. If you have read through the Bible, you have totally read the scripture, I'm sure, or you have heard a sermon on this. But I want to read through Ruth 1, and we'll do that quickly. Um, but for this, the sake of this today, you know, I, I want to talk about commitment. So we're going to talk about contractional relationships, covenant relationships, and what commitment looks like. And I remember one time I was I was asking the Lord or complaining to the Lord, who knows which one. I was asking, why don't people understand commitment? Like, why are people not committed? And I remember he said to me, it's not that they don't get commitment. They just don't understand covenant. And at that moment, I didn't really know the specifics of what he was meaning. I had only ever heard covenant related to being married. And so I began to study and I began to ask more questions. And I realized that we don't know about covenant in community because it's honestly not talked about very often. We don't hear about this in our churches. We don't hear about this in our communities. We've we've heard about covenant in marriage, but not really in friendships, not really in relationships. And maybe you've heard that we have covenant with God. But today I want to show you how covenant with community is not only biblical, but it's incredibly important. Okay, so without going on, uh, we're going to go to Ruth 1, okay? It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but Elamilak, I don't know. (laughs) His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Milan and Kilion. They were uh, Ephorites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. Now... Elimelech, I think I, I think you guys, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married a Moabite woman, one named Orpha, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Milan and Kilion also died. It's really sad and depressing. And Naomi was left with her two sons and her husband. Verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Verse 8, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She then kissed them goodbye and she wept aloud. And she said to her, we will go back uh, and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand is turned against me. 
At this, they all wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. And I wanted to really read that entire thing so that you have a good context. But I want to emphasize these last couple of verses. Okay, three more. Just hang with me. It's going to be worth it, I promise. Verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. When I read that, really when I read that, I am moved to emotion in such a way that it's hard to wrap my head fully around what we just read, okay? Because we cannot read of Ruth's devotion here without hoping that we'll always have a Ruth in our lives and simultaneously aspiring to be a Ruth for, for others even. The loyalty, the dedication to one another, the desire for deep covenant relationships are built inside of all of us because God created us for intimacy in community. We were literally created inside of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were built inside of community. And there's such a strong covenant in their community with one another. And clearly nothing can separate this, right? Like even when the world might have said, Ruth, move on, you've been faithful, move on, go find yourself another husband. You're young. You know, you've got your life ahead of you and dreams to go after and children to have, you know, where the world would have said, yeah, it's okay. It's not wrong for you to move on and leave your mother-in-law. Ruth, the scripture says, clung. And the Hebrew word for, um, this, you know, extra measure of kindness is is Hesed. And it's available to those within covenant relationships. Ruth's intense love and loyalty ma- manifest this Hesed. And it's inspiring to, to me, at least. I'm sure it's a, a, inspiring to you. And this Hesed actually attracts favor. So, Because of Ruth's faithfulness inside of community of covenant, Ruth finds favor, later on we read, with Boaz, right? Like while gathering leftover barley in his field, um, you know, very long story short, she marries him and has a son. She found favor because of a covenant relationship that she decided to honor, even though Maybe she didn't think she was going to get anything out of staying with her mother-in-law. And I believe that, you know, as a people of Christ, we've become so welcoming of the world's contracts instead of the kingdom's covenant. And we've lost sight of covenantal community and what it should look like. And we all want it. We all desire it. See, the difference is a contract is an agreement between parties. And if one agreeing party does something in violation, you know, of that contract, then it's considered broken. And the whole contract becomes null and void. Basically, the signers of a contract agree to hold up their ends as long as the others hold up theirs as well. That's a contract, y'all. That's not, that's not a covenant. So get this, a covenant is a pledge. With the covenant, both parties agree to hold up their ends regardless whether the other party keeps their part of the agreement. A violation 
of a covenant by one party doesn't matter as far as the other party's responsibility to continue to do what they've agreed to do. This is powerful, right, friends? Like, this is powerful because how many of us, even in our day-to-day thinking, even in the relationships that we have, it is contractional. It is, if you do this for me, I will do that for you. And if you don't hold up your end, well, it must be okay for me to move on and not hold up my end, right? Like, and we might even say with logical minds that this is okay, but this is a contractional relationship. This is not a relationship that is in covenant, okay? A a nerdy note here. Did you know that the most famous secular covenants, well, within is the Declaration of Independence? To the signers, it didn't matter if one of their confederates broke or switched sides. They were still committed to their course of action regardless, even if it cost them their lives. And most of the signers were made to pay dearly (laughs) for their stand by the British. And Ruth, Ruth lays her life down for Naomi. Some might say that Ruth uh, honestly gave up her dreams, gave up her desires, gave up what she thought was going to be her destiny um, to, to have this covenant relationship her needs in this moment, they, they weren't even a thought. At least the text doesn't seem that way, right? Like we tell people, find a church that fits your needs. Find a spouse that meets your needs. Find friends that meet needs that you have in your life or find friends that you need. And when needs are not being met anymore, then leave and go find another community, leave and go find another spouse, leave and go find new friends, when really all we need is to believe truths about Jesus and a community who believes in the power of covenant to one another. I believe covenant is sacrifice in a lot of ways, right? Like if you're married, you get this. Covenant is laying down one's life for another, And that is the gospel, right? Jesus laid his life down for our sake. He laid his life down so that, you know, we would have the promise of covenant with him forever. In fact, his bloodshed was the sealed and signed agreement for covenant with us. It took his death to finalize what he promised, a laid down life, right? But the world says you do you. The world says, do whatever's best for you. Look out for you. Follow your dreams, right? And some of us, especially even in the church, we'd raise our hand and say, yeah, you do you. Whatever's best for you, look out for you. Follow your dreams. It's all about you, 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 you. And the Bible says, lay your life down for one another. John 15, 13 says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Right? Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Says honor one another above yourselves. Come on, above yourself. Galatians 5, 14 says, love your neighbor as yourself. The more we understand covenant, the more we understand grace and the power of community. And it's not just the power of our own family units, right? (laughs) I'm probably going to hit something here that's going to trigger some of you listening. Um, This isn't just for your family unit, right? Like I am responsible for my kids and my family. God has entrusted me with my littles and with my husband, but my love is not determined on just my responsibility in my little family unit. 
The Bible does not say, look out for my own, love my own better, only care for those that I've birthed or I've married, right? We understand this. Um, if we fully got this, there wouldn't be any kids in the foster system because we would take full responsibility for bringing those kids in. But because we've become a people that uh, really are so obsessed with ours, our families, our kids, our spouse, our little unit, and and, and if you're not, um, if you haven't given birth or you haven't gotten married yet, um, you know, then then this may not apply to to you in this point. But but my my main point in this is it's not just about what's ours, okay? Like you don't get my devotion. You don't get my laid down life unless you're a part of me. But what Christ has done is he's called us all into community. But the world's like, hey, you don't, you don't get to be in my inner courts of home or my inner family table or my, you know, my unit. And I get like, listen, this isn't a popular message. I get that uh, what I'm saying right now is totally going to trigger those of you who um, have decided to just focus on your family unit for a season or for this year or whatever it may be. But this message needs to be heard. (laughs) One of the largest growing religions, I'm not going to mention, they understand this. When one of their community members has lost a job, they come alongside and dedicate six months of, of them find, helping them find a job. When a family member dies, they set up food and childcare and mourning time for a year. Are you kidding me? They're not worshiping the right God, but listen, they get his heart for covenant community. And I believe that that's why they are growing. People are attracted to love. They are attracted to dedication and to people who will lay their lives down for them. And we all talk about, oh, we want revival like the book of Acts. We want God's spirit to fall on us like the book of Acts. But it's called the book of Acts for a reason. Acts of the apostles, they acted on community and covenant. They didn't neglect coming together. They had no needs amongst one another. Why? Because they met them. They're loyal. They understood that as they came together, God would pour out favor because favor will follow covenant relationships. Oh, Nicole, but what about those people who've betrayed me, who've hurt me? I don't want to pursue covenant with them. Well, what if, you know, Jesus said that about us? (laughs) We betrayed him, we left him, we cursed him. What if he said those things about us? He's never moved away from loving you or being committed to you, even when he knew you would betray him, you would leave him, you'd walk away from him. At the Last Supper, Jesus looks around at the table and he knows he's about to be betrayed. Can you imagine you're sitting at a table having dinner and you know that someone at that dinner is about to to betray you? And he tells the table, he goes, listen, one of you will betray me. And then he continues on by saying, take this bread. This is my body and drink from this cup. This is my blood, the blood of the covenant, knowing that he was going to be betrayed. You know what he did? He laid his life down. What would a community of people who are dedicated to each other look like to the world? I think it would look like Jesus, right? Like 12 disciples changed the world. We were made and designed in the image of God to look like him, act like him, respond like him, love like him. So it's no wonder why the enemy throws temptation in the form of look out for yourself. 
If we are made in the image of God and all the enemy wanted was to be God and to take his throne and God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, it's no wonder our identities and display of Christ's love for his people can easily be distracted to keep us from one another. They will know us by our love, John 12 or John 13. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If what? If you look out for yourselves? Nope. If you love one another. Right? It doesn't say if you love one another until they hurt you and then you can peace out. It doesn't say if you love them until they can't meet your needs anymore. It says the world will know you by your love. Our dedication, our loyalty, it matters. Being in covenant community, it matters. You know, it doesn't matter how many boundaries we've put up around us. Listen, some boundaries are good. Don't hear me say not to have any boundaries. Everyone needs to have some boundaries. But if your boundaries are keeping you from intimate community or keeping you from loyal relationships or loyalty just within yourself, I'd question them. If your boundaries are walls of protection that have a sign on them that says, listen, unless you can do something for me, you don't get me. I'd knock those bad boys down fast. It's a me-centric boundary. Some betray people in the name of protecting themselves. Others cut people out of their life in the name of boundaries. What happens when it's not comfortable? You just wipe your hands and leave? Do you avoid? What if God did that to us? God says, listen, I'm here. No matter what you do, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And the church, especially the church that worships King Jesus, should have incredibly loyal people. We should hear testimonies that non-believers are calling us because they know that we will rally. They know that we are dedicated to one another. God knows how to lay his life down for your benefit. He doesn't care how crazy you are. He's not worried about what you look like, if you're healthy or unhealthy before. He wanted covenant with you, right? Like this is not the world's viewpoint. There's an in, like internal struggle that will play inside of you when you hear this because, you know, the gospel is more than just commitment, it's covenant. The community around you should and will play into your destiny. Covenant in community doesn't look like everyone's your best friend. Okay, so when you hear me say that, don't hear me say like all these people got to be your best friend. No, we don't have enough hours for you to be a good best friend to everyone. Covenant community looks like a people who want to see Christ glorified through how we love and put one another above ourselves. A covenant community mindset, it recognizes, who's my Naomi? Who's my Naomi's? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Right? Like a covenant community will recognize who's the Naomi in my life. And 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 a covenant community will devote themselves to to serve, to help. And they'll stop hopping around wondering why they're not connected and they'll be a connected people. Right? The church is is people. And when you narrow it down, when you ask yourself like what's church? It's just it's a group of people who follow Jesus. And so I don't know if if you have been um, wondering, like, where are my people? I don't know if you have been in contractional relationships. I don't know if this is like a green light for you of, oh, my gosh, I get this now. 
But what I'm going to say is it's, it's not going to happen easily. It's not going to happen overnight, but it, it will happen if you are pursuing covenant relationships. And sometimes you just have to tell people, listen, I am looking for covenant relationships in my life. And here's what this means, right? Here's what this, this looks like. Covenant um, is an English translation of a Hebrew and Greek word that describes a formal relationship between two parties who agree to have a set of promises they can work together toward a common goal. So if you need to use that definition, then you use that definition, right? We have covenant with God. We have covenant with our spouse. And I believe that we are to have covenant with our community. There are three different forms of covenant there. And in covenant, friends, you'll have joy and you'll have pain. It's not always going to be hoorah, we're covenant. We never leave each other. We never hurt each other. No, just like if you have kids, your kids sometimes hurt, hurt your feelings um, or your spouse hurts your feelings. It doesn't mean you just toss them. You're in covenant relationship with them. And these relationships will cause pain and they'll cause you to go deeper, right? <laughs> How often are we more worried about being connected to our Wi-Fi than being connected to community, being connected to our Savior? So for many of you, we have to repent for breaking covenant. We have to repent for only having contractional relationships in our life. And we have to recognize what is available what is available to us. There's a quote, loyalty is better than royalty. Having loyalty in our lives is better than being seen or treated or displayed in a certain way, right? Like loyalty is better than royalty. So I pray that you will seek covenant relationships. I do believe that this is uh, the way forward. I do believe that covenantal relationships are the way in which we meet the needs of the people that are supposed to be in our lives. And I believe that it's a part of our destiny. All right, my friends, that is it for today. If you got anything out of this podcast, please go subscribe and leave a five-star review. And until next time.